Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Deemer. Today on the show, the future of Robinhood after IPO. And we have headlines. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, August 3rd, 2021. If you're a listener of the show, you know one of my favorite morning podcasts is The Daily. Not The Decrypt Daily, but The Daily with Michael Bavaro from The New York Times. And they had one that's kind of close to me, something that I'm very, very familiar about. That's the restaurant industry. And the whole podcast was about why people are not going back to the restaurant industry. You know, there's many different ideas being thrown out there. As you should know, there's a labor shortage in the restaurant industry right now. And some people say, it's, well, people don't want to go back to work because they're getting that extra money with their unemployment checks. So they make more staying at home. And other people are saying, well, the restaurant industry doesn't pay anything. They don't pay enough. If I'm making more with unemployment, then you guys got to up your salary. Well, there's this whole dialogue behind it. And I personally have been saying for the past, I would say, year, is that people aren't going to go back to the restaurant industry because once you get time off, and you break away from the hours that you were working in the restaurant industry. Look, people that work in the restaurant industry don't just go to work and then come home. They live there. If you're in the kitchen, you're working 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week. If you're a server, you're working late nights, you're drinking, and you know it's very hard work, so you're probably sleeping most of the day. You're not really getting much stuff done during the day. Or it's a transitional job where you're going to school, doing something else, and then you're uh, working a bar at night or waiting tables. But I think that people not going back to their same job after COVID can be juxtaposed to many different industries. And I think that's just time off. That's just freedom. That's just the freedom to take a step back, take a breath, look at your life, and figure out what's important. You're spending time with your kids. You're going on walks. You're eating better. You're exercising. You're maybe not drinking as much. You're doing different things. You're pursuing different hobbies. You're finding out what you enjoy to do again because you're just not plugged into working all the time and being tired and trying to maintain and maintain the bills and the house and the mortgage and you just got to keep going and once you get the opportunity to take a step back and breathe you find out what's important and that's what i wish for everybody look the owners of these restaurants i I want your businesses to succeed at the same time i want the people in the restaurant industry to get paid well have benefits to be treated with respect and dignity and be professionals. But I also want people to have the time to not be just plugged into the matrix, if you will, to think that all they have to do is work. Because life is more than just going to work every day and trying to maintain your, I don't know, lifestyle or bills or pay bills or whatever. And that's about financial freedom. That's about options. That's about different ways to think of financing. That's a, that's kind of like what we're doing here in the crypto space as well. It's just trying to break out of, I guess, the fog that some people live in or we live in. Just, you know, the day in and day out. The the slog, the grind, you might call it. Anyway, I like that podcast today. It just got me thinking about that. I just want to share with you. Link is in the show notes. Let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. 
Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 10.10 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $38,500, down 3.1% in 24. Ethereum's down 4.6% in 24 at $2,510. Tether's in the number 3 spot, while Binance Coin is at 322 in the number 4 spot, down 3.4%. And Cardano's number 5, up 2% at $1.35. Running off the top 10, we have XRP, USDC, Dogecoin, Polkadot, Uniswap, and BUSD. Actually, I went down to the number 11. BUSD is number 11. Couple big movers over the past couple of days. We have Rune, Thorchain, surging up around 20% in the past 48. Remember, Rune, Thorchain had a couple of hacks. They lost one $5 million hack. They had a $8 million hack. The Rune Foundation, or Thorchain Foundation, actually, to be honest with you, I don't know what it's called off the top of my head. Anyway, they have money set aside to reimburse in case there are hacks. Well, it seems as though people are getting confidence to use Thorchain again, and, well, it's flowing back in. So keep that one on your radars. Total market cap, we're at $1.56 trillion and a BTC dominance of 46%. And in our main conversation today, we're talking to Jeff John Roberts, executive editor of Decrypt, and we're talking the future of Robinhood after IPO. Jeff Roberts, executive editor of Decrypt, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Matthew. Two days in a row, my friend. Anyway, so what we're going to talk about today is Robinhood. You know, Robinhood just went public the other day. Actually, of course, you know about it. You wrote about it. And that's what we're, why we're here right now. Um, they opened at $38. They're down a little bit. Uh, uh, obviously, most people, when they go I, IPOs, they lose a little bit of uh, money in their shares. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about today because I think that they're, they have a positive future. And that's what I want to talk about, their future or what are they looking for for the future? Yeah, the reason I wrote about that, most of your readers probably heard of Robinhood. That's it's known for buying stocks. It changed the war, the game for how you buy stocks. But they're going big on crypto. I mean, they have hired their own crypto unit. Um, people, you know, the company tell me they're building their own sort of DeFi operations to plug into the DeFi system, their own wallets, all that. I mean, right now, Robinhood is not really real crypto. It's you can like buy or hold, you know, a few types of crypto, but they're going all in, they're building wallets. So that's why I covered them and they went public. So they're the second important crypto company to go public after Coinbase. So that's why we're talking about them today. Excellent. Can you tell us about their, their wallets? I heard that you're not gonna you're not only gonna be able to store your crypto in the Robinhood wallets, but you're gonna be able to do more features as well. They're gonna have more financial products. Yeah, you're gonna be able to move it off. You're gonna be able to talk about staking, lending, all that stuff. Basically, they're shaping up to take on Coinbase. They're in a good position to do that because they've got 20 million users, most of whom are sort of millennials or younger. And um, Robinhood's good at building stuff. I know they're controversial because they went down a few times. Um, you know, some people don't like how they make money, but you know, for better or worse, they're going to be a big player in crypto, and that's really going to we're going to see a lot of that by the end of the year. What's the sentiment of, of Robinhood? Yeah, they went IPO. Look, uh, Coinbase hasn't recovered from their IPO sell-off uh, back. You know, when they went IPO, uh, they had a little bit of sell-off. Uh, is is the sentiment a little bit more bullish on Robinhood than Coinbase? Um, I think so, because Robinhood's diversified. They've got, you know, they're about 20% of their revenue comes from crypto. The rest is from conventional stock trading. And they did something interesting. They put aside about a quarter of their shares for their own customers, which I think is kind of cool. Normally, the way an IPO works is the company gets together with its bankers, investment funds, and lawyers. Those fat, rich people agree to buy so much when they float the shares. The shares pop, and all of those, like, you know, wealthy institutions make a profit retail investors get hosed because there'll be the pop and then you know all the rich people sell off that's what happened with coinbase actually um this time around they're like okay you want to buy share you can you can buy at the same price as the investment bank 38 dollars 
Um, the shares didn't really do anything. They dropped to $34 recovered. So I think it was a disappointment for Robinhood, but I think the long-term fundamentals in this company are sound. They made money last year. Um, they've got tons of customers. And in the future, what they're gonna try to do is convert all those customers to buying more expensive stuff, You know, long-term investment products, retirement products, insurance, all that sort of thing. That's what like Fidelity and Charles Schwab and companies like that do. In the long run, that's what Robinhood wants to be. And I was listening to the All In podcast the other day, one of my favorite podcasts uh, with um, Chamath Paliapatia, David Sachs, David Freeberg, and Jason Calacanis. And Jason Calacanis is an investor in Robinhood. And he said that he could see this going to a trillion dollar company. He's, he's talking about 20X, which is very, very bullish because of the, the diversification that you just mentioned. But I also want to go back to the beginning of this conversation and our conversation yesterday about um, brokers. Uh, you know, we have the infrastructure bill com that's coming out and it's going to try to raise taxes with these brokers. Uh, the crypto industry is kind of all up in, we have no clue what's going to happen if this passes and how it's going to be enforced and how it's going to be looked at by the SEC, the IRS, uh, FinCEN, all kinds of people that are in involved with this. And you said 20% of their business is via crypto and they're, they're going to launch wallets and lending and staking and all that stuff. Could that damage Robinhood's future plans? Could make it more complicated. That crypto bill we're talking about is sort of designating basically everyone a broker, have to know your customers, tax them, report them. Um, you know, for better or worse, though, Robinhood sort of does that already. That bill's really going to hurt like DeFi startups and things like that. Could hurt Robinhood at the edges, could undermine their DeFi ambitions. But as it stands right now, you know, Robinhood's big enough. They have a lot of lawyers and compliance officers and stuff like that. So they're going to be able to navigate that because they already have to do sort of the tax regime that's in place. So it's going to be a pain for Robinhood if they kind of, you know, go more ambitious on DeFi crypto stuff, but it's not going to hurt Robinhood in the way it's going to hurt a lot of like decentralized finance startups. Conspiracy theory. And my last question, um, we do see Coinbase. We do see Robinhood coming out. We do know that um, the CEO of Coinbase, Brian Armstrong, has been to Washington talking to Nancy Pelosi, talking to you know different representatives and, and congressional members, um, I, the House and the Senate. Are they pushing for this to be in there because they know that they're compliant? Do you think that they're trying to corner the market and get like any other people out like DeFi or any startups that aren't is being compliant as them or going public? Uh, no, I mean, you know, sometimes conspiracies are true, sometimes they're not. I think I see what you're saying. And Coinbase is definitely doing this, like, in terms of finance and stuff, they're trying to sort of edge out the non American rivals. That's business. That's how the game works. This bill, though, would just do way more harm to the overall crypto landscape. And I know Coinbase, you know, and Brian Armstrong himself has got ambitions to really build out DeFi and things like that. So no, this would be shooting themselves in the foot. I think Coinbase is doing the right thing by trying to lobby. They just need more allies. You need the rest of the crypto industry to come in there and, you know, unfortunately play that game. As you said earlier, uh, get a pack, things like that. All the stuff crypto people hate, but I mean, the rest of the world works this way. And I think it's time crypto uh, people do the same. You know, that might not be a popular opinion, but I think that has to happen. Jeff Roberts, executive editor of Decrypt. Thanks for coming on the show and talking Robinhood. My pleasure. Thank you, Matthew. Moving into today's headlines. Tanging on to what we said yesterday into yesterday's episode with Jeff John Roberts about the infrastructure bill, the EFF, or the Electronic Frontier Foundation, a privacy-oriented NGO, has criticized President Biden's new infrastructure bill, which the EFF claims will increase the government's ability to surveil everyday crypto users. This outcome could be disastrous, they say, for the crypto space in the United States. So what is wrong with the infrastructure bill? Well, they're going to break it down into these points. 
First and foremost, the EFF claims the bill will lead to more surveillance against cryptocurrency users. The bill could also force software creators and entities that do not custody cryptocurrencies like miners to implement cumbersome surveillance systems or stop offering services in the United States. In a couple more points, the EFF claimed that the miners could not possibly comply with this bill and that smart contracts and decentralized exchanges would suffer because the bill creates uncertainty about peer-to-peer -peer cryptocurrency transactions. This addition to the infrastructure bill is on the coattails of Senator Elizabeth Warren's week of crypto regulation talks as she went from media to media talking about the dangers of cryptocurrency. She said this last week, end quote, I do not want to wait for a whole lot of people, a whole lot of small investors, a whole lot of small traders to be completely wiped out, she said. And my two cents. I agree with her. You shouldn't wait. You should not wait for a lot of small investors or small mom and pop investors to get wiped out because they put everything in on baby doge. Absolutely. However, you don't want to just haphazardly add things to infrastructure bills to try to raise revenue without understanding the crypto space. Look, anybody in the crypto space knows that if you want to understand what is happening here, the tech, the ideas, the systems, how it works, you have to put in the time. You can't have your aides, you can't have your staff just tell you what's going on. Senator Warren, you need to DYOR, do your own research, get yourself a wallet, get yourself some Bitcoin, trade some Bitcoin, trade some cryptos, trade some alts, buy some NFTs, do some things with DeFi, get to understand the space. Maybe go to Decentraland, maybe Axie Infinity, maybe talk to Gary V. maybe go on Twitter spaces and talk to some people in the space that have been working here for years. Senator Warren, this is half-assed. We're not going to have great legislation and great regulation to foster this industry without learning about the industry first. In more regulation news, the head of the SEC, Gary Gensler, said he's intrigued when it comes down to the technology of cryptocurrency or this space in general. But he's not even neutral about investor protection, meaning that he wants to have investor protection. And again, I don't disagree. If somebody wants to speculate, that's their choice. But we have the role as a nation to protect those investors against fraud. 100% Gary, 100%. As you guys all know, the SEC considers Bitcoin a commodity rather than a security. But what about everything else? What about all the other coins out there or companies or products or financial products? Still in question. But Gary Gensler's first priority is regulating large crypto exchanges. Coinbase, Binance.us, FTX.us and the lot, they process nearly $3 billion a day. Gary Gensler also added that he's looking at DeFi platforms and saying that, you know what, maybe they're subject to government regulation if there's specific interest rates tied to their loan processes or the DeFi loan processes. So if you are, you know, getting a loan, the interest paid back, or if you're putting up the liquidity for this loan and you're making money, well, that might be a security. So he's going to look at that as well. Remember, Gary, he's just not going off the cuff here. He's just not haphazardly, you know, kind of speculating about this industry. He actually taught a course at MIT about blockchain and Bitcoin. So he should know a little bit about it. Now, is he actually deep in crypto like some people in the crypto space are? No, but this is a damn good start if he actually understands the tech. And finally, Cash App. They put out their financial reports for Q2. CEO Jack Dorsey revealed that they brought in $2.7 billion in Bitcoin revenue in Q2 of 2021. How much profit? Only $55 million. I mean, only $55 million? I mean, I guess if you're talking about 
seven billion dollars worth of revenue then 55 billion dollars isn't that much i mean it's about two percent of the revenue which isn't bad they're still trugging along however by comparison in q1 they had a revenue of 3.5 billion dollars and a profit of 75 million dollars down a little bit from q1 however bitcoin's down a little bit from q1 so let's see what q3 and q4 has to offer thank you for listening to this episode of the decrypt daily my name is matthew deaver did you know that if a thousand people gave a thousand dollars that would be a million dollars and did you know that that million dollars toward my campaign would help me get to washington to help regulate the crypto space in a positive way did you know that that million dollars would help this campaign win well if you're intrigued by that go to deemerforcongress.com d-i-e-m-e-r for congress.com and donate to the campaign and until tomorrow happy hodling everyone